Because I know you guys wait in this line for like a really long time. A really long time. I was contemplating, couldn't we add on to Unless we find a sponsor for a brand new one. Wouldn't that be cool? It would glow in the dark. Hey, my friends. Hey, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Whether it's your first time it's or first really time. It's really echoey. It is super echoey. Can... You do announcements. I'm going to go fix that. Yeah, I can't handle that. That's too echoey for me. I feel like I'm in a tin can. Okay, do we have an announcement? Oh, I'm just going to... It's so bad. I don't know if I can talk. But he's going to want me to talk so he can tell if it goes away. Okay, my announcement is a general announcement about all missions. So there are applications back there. There are summer trips that are happening, mission trips. And I would highly encourage um, middle schoolers that you should check out Mink and Rock Ridge. Both of them are the same idea where you go and help camp set up. So one is a wilderness camp and one is a Shamana camp. And you help pick weeds. You do all the things. You paint things, and you work together while growing your relationship with each other, but also growing your faith. And so, if you want one of those applications, they're back there, and you can check them out. Um, is there another? Otherwise, there's these cards on the back. If you haven't filled one of these out, or the other card that is in on the back table are prayer cards. If either fill this out, oh, let us know your information. Or if you have a prayer request, fill out that card, drop it in that box, or they're back in your small group rooms, as you've seen. Uh, we want to be praying for you. So if you have prayer requests, drop those in the cards. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, thanks for this night, the ability to, to gather, to be in community with one another. Thanks for the fun that we get to have, uh, and thanks for showing up and um, wanting to be known by us. Would you uh, speak to us tonight? Would we tune our ears to what you have for us? Would you be in our small groups, building our relationships with each other and with you? Thanks, Jesus. We love you. In your name, amen. So uh, our next series is the Faith and Sexuality series that we're going to do for this whole month. I heard seventh graders, you got a whole bunch of this at school, but I'm going to tell you something. It's what you talked about at school and what we talk about here. I would love to see what you think of the differences are because it's not going to be logistics like school, okay? Me, growing up, my family never, ever talked about sex. We didn't talk about relationships. We did, definitely didn't talk about God and sex or relationships. We didn't talk about dating, my changing body. We didn't talk about any of it. So everything I learned was from school, from friends, and my older cousins. And I made many mistakes and got many hurts along the way because no one showed me or told me what God intended for us as sexual beings. Because of my past and the hurts and the things that I experienced, I want you to not have to go through that. And so that was my heart of having this conversation with you because I think it's important to be healthy um, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Before we dig in, we have two guidelines for this that I think actually we should just do all the time, but we're going to talk about them. Yeah, first guideline is that we're going to be respectful. 
respectful to each other. We're going to listen to others, and we're not going to try and change each other's feelings. You may not agree with the words or actions of everyone, and that's okay. Respect is kind. Jesus was kind and gentle, so we are going to be kind and gentle. You can be kind and disagree with others. Respect is this attitude of saying, yes, we are different, but you're still a friend. You're still a brother and sister in Christ. It's this idea that you don't have to believe like us to belong with us. So if your words or your actions this evening in your small group are rude or disrespectful, I am giving each of you permission and authority to look at someone and be like, that's rude. Please don't say that again. Just like if a leader is like, whoa, that's disrespectful. So, also with that, I'm asking that you keep your rude and crude comments or jokes. Just let's not have them. This isn't the time for them. Second guideline is going to be confidentiality. What is shared in your groups stays in your groups. Anything that is personal to a member should not be shared outside of your groups. Now, generally, you can talk about what you discussed, recap the content. We want you to be able to engage, especially with your parents through this series. But anything personal or specific to somebody in your group that is shared will stay in your group. Sound good? In the box, we've turned our prayer box, which can still be a prayer box, but also to a question box. Because through our, week, our four weeks, you may have questions that you don't want to ask a human. And that's okay. And so th whatever questions do go in there, they'll be anonymous, and we'll try to answer them throughout the next four weeks. Sweet. So my son's favorite show is Bluey. Now, I'm going to be honest. My favorite show is Bluey. I think we have a picture of this. Uh, Bluey is this awesome cartoon of this cartoon dogs. They're just this lovable family. It's so much fun. I love this show. My son would sit and watch this show all day, every day, if he could. He would sit there snacking on cookies, not doing anything else. You wouldn't eat any other food. He'd never sleep. And I think some of you are like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But if that goes long enough, I think we can all agree that it's actually harmful in the end. He, do he doesn't know that he needs playtime. He needs other food. He needs to sleep, trust me, he needs to sleep. Oh. If my wife and I let him do whatever he wanted, he'd probably end up hurt. He doesn't know that the burner on the stove can burn him. He doesn't know that if you stay in the bath too long, you can actually get cold. He doesn't know that if you hold snow in your bare hands, it will eventually hurt them. He needs someone else to give him those boundaries. He needs my wife and I to tell him what is good and bad. When he defines that for himself, he ends up hurting himself in the long run. Now, this same thing is true for me and you. That's not a popular thing to say in today's culture. Our culture today says, you can do whatever you want. You do you, boo. Treat yourself. Like, but I think if we stop and think about it for a second, that can't be okay. That can't be right. What if, if we decide what is best for us, we end up the same as my son in front of a TV all day? Maybe we don't actually know what's best. 
So where can we go to be told how to live and orientate our lives? Where can we go to be told what is good or harmful? Who can teach us? You see where I'm going with this, right? It's God. Of course it is. But why? Why is it God? Why is it important for us to listen to God? Genesis 1-1 is maybe one of the most important sentences ever written. In the beginning, God. Right there. In the beginning, before any of this was here, before uh, anything in creation was uh, here, God was there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first thing the Bible tells us about God is that he is creator. Not that he is Lord, not that he is Savior, not that he is Father, not that he loves you, but that he is creator. And I think that's because in that title, all of that is already true. He, because he is creator, he is Lord, he is Savior, he is our Heavenly Father who loves us. In that one word, so much of who God is uh, is communicated And that's a humbling statement, right? That God is the creator of all of creation and me as a created being, I am automatically subject to him. There is such a difference between him and me. He is so much bigger and higher and more than who I am. And so he has the authority. That word authority actually comes from a Latin word, octor, which means author or source. And when an author writes a story, they have control over what happens in that story. The author gets to decide what happens. And so if God is the author of life, he has authority over it. And what does God do with all this power and authority? Does he lord it over us? Does he dominate over us? Does he control us? No, he comes as a baby. He enters into the story himself. He comes to live with us as Jesus. It's this incredible act of love that the author of creation doesn't reject us, doesn't turn away. He's not far off from us. No. He inserts himself into our lives. And the thing is, he doesn't make us follow him. He doesn't make us be in relationship with him. He wants to. He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. But he doesn't force you. In the Garden of Eden, way back, when sin first entered the world, this this character, Satan, or or the serpent, uh, back in Genesis 3, shows up in the story to deceive us. He makes us doubt if God really wants what's best for us. So Adam and Eve are in this abundant garden. It's it's filled with everything they would ever want. They can eat from any tree, and there's a lot of them in the garden, but one. The tree in the center of the garden, they have to leave alone. And Satan comes and distracts them from all the awesomeness around them, all the trees they can eat from, and turns their attention to the one. He makes them think that God is holding out on you. If you can't eat from this one tree, God is being scarce. 
He is holding out. He doesn't actually want what's best for you. He causes them and us to challenge. Does God really love me? Does he really have good things for me? Can I trust him? Should I really submit to his authority? If I follow him, look what I have to say no to. So sin entered the world because Adam and Eve decided they wouldn't listen to God. They wouldn't submit to his authority. Instead, they swapped roles. And that, that's what sin is at its core. It's when creation rebels against the creator. I am going to follow my own authority over God's. We often think about following Jesus as saying no to things, that we miss out because God is a stick in the mud or he uh, wants to keep me from enjoying life. It'd be better to sit and watch Bluey all day, right? But the reason I don't let my son do whatever he wants is because I love him. I love him more than I thought I ever thought possible. He's... Uh, this love that I have for him, I want what's best for him. I want him to have a life that is flourishing. And I know that that means having boundaries. What if God wants the same for us? Jesus is the living embodiment of God's love for us. God loved us so much that he came to be with us. And even more than that, he shows us his love for us by dying for us. Just like I want what's best for my son, God wants us to flourish too. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. He wants us to flourish. And maybe, just maybe, he knows more about what that looks like than I do. So what if following Jesus was more about saying yes Yes to life, to more life, to the full life that God wants for me. I agree with you, Matthew. It is about saying yes to a full life, but part of being a Christian and a follower is to actually follow Jesus, to be willing to be transformed from the inside out. Now you might be wondering, what does this all have to do with sexuality? Well, part of following Jesus is to have sexual integrity. Okay, Amanda, I have a small brain. That's a big word. It is a big word. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. So it, sexual integrity is about having a whole view about ourselves, and it's not just about saying no to having sex before marriage. It's about understanding why God created you to be sexual beings, because he created us for that. It means saying yes to his big picture. Remember, we've been talking about his big picture for us of his children. It's more than just physical. It's emotional. It's social. It's spiritual. It's about turning to the Lord with your whole heart and being powered in the Holy Spirit in you so that you can live a life that he wants you to live. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. B, 
being a Christian is saying no to things, but it's also about having deep relationships. Jesus, God made us to have deep relationships with one another who are believers and to express ourselves to his design. Outside of a relationship with Jesus, we're all controlled. We are controlled by so many things. We think that freedom is doing whatever we want, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. Do you know what we call people who do whatever they want when they want to do it? Some of them, we call them alcoholics. We call them drug addicts. And the reason I know this is some of you, sixth graders, you may not have heard my story, but I have that story. I chose drugs when I was in high school after my friend died to numb my pain, my sadness, my anger, my grief, my loneliness. But drugs didn't lead me to freedom. It actually led me to being controlled by them. I couldn't go to work without them. I couldn't go to school without them. It literally led me to physical jail, along with emotional and spiritual jail. So many things in our lives control us, alcohol, money, appearance, social media, unhealthy relationships, anything we pick could control us. Our sexual desires can control us. We all have a master. The question is, who do you want to be your master? Yourself? Your desires? Other people? God? Most destruction and wickedness that happens in our world is when people try to be their own masters. Just like he talked about Adam and Eve. They want to be their own master. I'm not going to, I can eat from that tree. They made themselves masters instead of God. Even though God is perfect and he knew the outcome of it. He's loving. So submitting to God is the safest place in the universe, but it takes faith and trust in, in him to do that. So some of you are like, okay, Amanda, I want sexual integrity. I'm going to give all my, I'm going to give that part of my life to God. And to this group, I say, do it. Push into God. Seek him in all your areas. But I need you to listen to the other group that might be in this room. There might be a group of people in here that's like, it's too late. I messed up. Someone did something to me. I said this to this person. I looked at these pictures. I've already done it. And I want to say to you, it's never too late. Today can be the start of a whole new plan for you. And the people in this group who are like, I already did these things. How can I move on? A lot of people in this group feel guilt and shame. Think about something you've done, whether maybe it's not something in that realm, but you've done something wrong and you feel guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are both feelings that we feel when we do things are wrong, but they are very, very different, and I want you to understand them. Guilt says, I've done something wrong, and you're like, ooh, I did something wrong. Shame says, I did something wrong, and now I'm a bad person. Guilt tells us we need to make it right. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I need to make this right. And you, so you go and you change your behavior and you make it right and it's, it's done. Shame says, I'm, I have to stay here. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve forgiveness. I, there's no way out. I don't know how to make this right. Shame makes a person feel dirty, unworthy, 
Like, they are literally a mistake. And Satan uses that in your mind to say, you just stay right here in this shame. Guilt and shame, they cause humans to hide. But where we hide matters. Guilt allows us to sit at the foot of Jesus and say, I did it, take it from me. Shame leads people to go to their rooms and never hang out with their friends again or be around their family because they carry the shame with them. God pursued Eve and Adam as they hid with their guilt to shame. He literally called, where are you? I mean, he knew where they were, hello. But he called them, where are you? And he calls you today, no matter if it's a sexual sin or other sin. Something important to remember is that if we could get rid of shame all by ourselves, within our own strength, Jesus would have never had to die. We don't need him. By faith in Jesus, the guilt is removed. On that cross, Jesus took all our shame, he took all our guilt, he took the penalty of sin. So what should we do if we feel shame? I think step one is to remember the cross. And remember, and literally tell yourself, it's already been dealt with. He paid the price. I don't have to carry this. This weight, I don't have to do it. Thank you, God. If you're sexually active or have looked at pictures or whatever the thing, it's about practicing confession with him and understanding that God gives you grace and forgiveness. And if that's what you are carrying, I want you to hear that you do not have to. You are no longer have to be enslaved by your mistakes or your past, whatever the thing is. Forgiveness is your first step for healing. We forgive ourselves by saying, okay, God, I messed up. I mean, he already knows. We're able to lay them at the foot of the cross. So our goal for you as we journey the next few weeks is that you start a real honest conversation with the living God. Because ultimately, that if you learn to talk to God about anything, your sexual desires, your feelings, your doubts, your emotions, your mistakes, your shame, that God will meet you there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I just ask that you would sit with us and help us to see that um, whatever the things are that we carry, that we don't have to, that you've created us to be these beings and that we should submit to you, that you have our best interest in need or in mind. So Lord, be with us. Help us that as we take these two minutes to reflect on this question, that you would meet us there, that you would talk with us and be there. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna do a take two. So there's a question up there. And in two minutes, I will come back up and dismiss you. Uh, you cannot talk, you can sleep, you can do whatever you want, but I ask that you not be on your phone and you not talk to the person next to you.
place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. And I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want Head to small groups. We'll see you back here at 7.35. If you want to stay in your small groups, though, and just continue hanging out, feel free to do that. Otherwise, we'll be back here for a game at I don't think you're on.
Oh, you're like right up front. Settle in, people, settle in. Have a seat. Will you sit over here? Then I can't look into your eyes, Landon. Come on. It's awkward to look over. into your eyes. Come on, Then I can look at, okay. Uh, Just my don't friends. trip me. Just don't trip me. Great, great. I'm gonna purposely like walk no. close. All right, we gotta be. We have we're, we have a time thing. We do. All right, hey my friends. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Matthew. If I haven't met you yet, if if it's your first time or first time in a long time, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, obviously, you guys are just playing games. We're gonna talk about Jesus, and then you're gonna jump into your small groups after this to end the night. Uh, but before that, here's a few things for you to know. We have our summer missions trips coming up. Mink is June 7th through the 9th. Rock Ridge is June 20th through the 23rd. And our last one, Detroit, is June 14th through the 22nd. If you've ever found yourself asking, I want to take another step with my faith in Jesus, I want to highly encourage you to check one of these trips out. All of the information and the applications for these are going to be on the wood wall in the back. Grab one on your way out. If you've been asking that questions of, of how do I take another step with my faith in Jesus, grab one of those, okay? Uh, other than that, there's these cards in the back. If you've never filled out one of these, we would love to know who you are uh, and that you're here because we want to be able to connect with you. As well as on that back table, there's uh, prayer cards. If you have a prayer request, big, small, whatever it is, uh, fill it out, drop it in that box, or drop it in the envelopes in your small groups. You know the drill by now. We want to be praying for you throughout this week. With that said, would you pray with me now? Jesus, thanks for this opportunity to come together to uh, celebrate you, to celebrate our friendships with each other. Would you speak to us tonight? Would we open our eyes to what you have for our lives? Would you be in our small groups, strengthen our relationship with each other, and with you. We love you. In your name. Amen. So this is the first week in our faith and sexuality unit. We are not going to be talking logistics. So be, we're not in health class. But I need you to know that as for myself, the reason I want to teach you this is because my family never talked about it. My family never talked about sex. They didn't talk about relationships. They definitely didn't put God in any of the mix, whether it be dating, my changing body, nothing. So everything I learned was from school, my friends, and my older cousins. And along the way, I made many mistakes, and there were many hurts. And my heart for you is to know why God created you the way you, he did, because he did create us as sexual beings. But no one talked to me about that. And so my hope through this unit is that you will appreciate what God, how God has made you, but also that you will live a life flourishing in mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually. We do have two guidelines, which I think these guidelines should just apply to our small group time in general, but we'll start. Totally. First one is going to be that we're going to be respectful. When we're listening to other people 
uh, we're going to be respectful of them, and we're not necessarily going to try and change their feelings. You may not agree with the words or actions or feelings of everybody in your group, and that's okay. We are still going to be respectful. Respect is kind. Jesus was kind and gentle, so we are going to be kind and gentle. You can be kind and disagree with others. Respect is this attitude of saying, yes, we are different, but you are still a friend. You are still a brother and sister in Christ. It's this idea that you don't have to believe like us to belong with us. So if your words or actions in your small group or any time are going to be disrespectful, I'm giving each of you authority to call on the other person and be like, that was rude. Please don't say that. So if a leader says that to you, you know where it's coming from, but you can do that to each other as well. Second guideline is going to be confidentiality. If something is shared of a personal nature in your small groups, it's going to stay in your small groups. Uh, we're going to keep those details to our groups. That's not to say that generally you can't talk about the content or uh, recap the night. We want you to be able to engage with your parents through this series. But the specific details of everybody's lives, we're going to keep in our small groups. Make sense? The last thing is, um, it might not pertain to you, but it might. Sometimes we have questions and we don't want to ask a human being because we're embarrassed of our questions. So there's a box back there that you can anonymously put your question in, and uh, we will try to answer the question in some way in the next few weeks. Sweet. So my son's favorite show is Bluey. And if I'm being honest, it's my favorite show too. It is such a great show. It's about this uh, family of cartoon dogs that just hang out and play together. It's amazing. I love this show. If he had the opportunity, he would sit in front of the TV, snacking on cookies all day, every day. Some of you are like, that sounds awesome. Yes, sign me up. But I think if we're honest, we know that that will eventually be a bad thing. My son doesn't know that. He doesn't know that he needs playtime, that he needs other food, actual food, that he needs to sleep, and oh my, does he need to sleep. If it was up to him, he would uh, do whatever he wanted. And he doesn't know that the, the burner on the stove can burn him. He doesn't know that if he stays in the bath too long, it can make him cold. He doesn't know that if, if he holds bare snow with his hands, that it will eventually hurt them. He needs someone else to come in and give him those boundaries. He needs my wife and I to show him what's good and bad. When he defines that for himself, he ends up hurting himself. That same thing is true for me and you. And that's not a very popular thing to say in our culture. Our culture says, you can do whatever you want. You do you, boo. Treat yourself. You can do whatever <laughs> you want as long as it's not hurting other people. But what if that's wrong? What if when we decide what is best for ourselves, we are no different than my son sitting in front of a TV all day? What if we don't actually know what is best? So where can we go to be told how to live and orientate our lives? Where can we go to learn what is good or harmful? Who can teach us? You see where I'm going with this, right? It's God. Of course it is. But why? 
Why is it important for us to listen to God? Genesis 1-1 is maybe the most important sentence that is ever written. In the beginning, God. Right there. In the beginning, before any of this was uh, created, before any of us were here, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first thing the Bible tells us about God is that he is creator. Not that he is Lord or Savior or that he is Father, that he loves you, but that he is creator. And I think it's because in that one title, all of that is already true. If he is creator, then he is our Lord, he is our Savior, he is our Heavenly Father who loves us. So much of who God is is communicated in that one word. And that's a humbling statement, right? God, the creator of all of creation, and I am a created being. Because I am created, I am automatically subject to my creator. And there is such a difference between him and me. He is so much bigger and higher and more than who I am. And so that gives him authority. That word authority comes from this Latin word, actor, which means author or source. And just like when an author writes a story, they have control over what happens in that story. The author gets to decide what happens. And so if God is the author of life, he has the authority over it. But what does God do with all this power and authority? Does he lord it over us? Does he dominate us, control us? No. He comes as a baby. He enters into the story himself. He comes to live with us as Jesus. It's this incredible act of love that the author of creation doesn't reject us, doesn't turn away from us. He's not far away from us. No, he inserts himself into our lives. And the thing is, he doesn't make us follow him. He doesn't make us have a relationship with him. He wants one. He wants to know us. He wants to be known by us, but he won't force us to. In the Garden of Eden, where sin first entered the world, this, this character, Satan, uh, in Genesis 3, he's called the serpent, enters the story. He comes to deceive us. He makes us doubt if God really wants what's best for us. Adam and Eve are in this abundant garden. Everything they would ever want is there. There's a um, plethora of trees that they could eat from and enjoy. But there's one, the tree in the center of the garden they have to leave alone. Satan comes and distracts them. He turns their attention away from all of the abundance that God has for them, of all the trees that they can engage with and eat from, and he turns their attention to the one. He makes them think that God is holding out on them. If you can't eat of this one tree, God is being scarce. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want what's best for you. He, he wants to limit you. He causes them and us to challenge. Does God really love me? Does he actually have good things for me? Can I trust him? 
if I follow him, look at what I have to say no to. So sin entered the world because Adam and Eve decided they wouldn't listen to God. They wouldn't submit to his authority. Instead, they swapped the roles. And I think that's what sin is at its core. It's when creation rebels against its creator. It, it says, I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to follow my authority instead of God's. We often think that following Jesus means saying no to things, that we miss out on things because God is a stick in the mud, because uh, he doesn't want us to enjoy life. It would be better if I could sit and watch Bluey all day. But the reason I don't let my son do whatever he wants is because I love him. I love him so incredibly much, more than I ever thought possible to love another person. And I want him to have a good life. I want him to flourish and be happy. And I know that that requires boundaries. What if the same is true of God? Jesus is the living embodiment of God's love for us. God loved us so much that he came to be with us. And even more than that, he shows us he loves us when he died on the cross for us. And just like I want what's best for my son, God wants us to flourish too. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. He wants us to flourish. He, he wants us to have uh, the life to the full. And maybe, just maybe, he knows more about what that looks like than I do. What if following Jesus is more about saying yes, yes to life, to more life, to the full life that he wants for us? I agree, Matthew, that it is about having a full life and being part of a, being a Christian or a Christ follower is to actually follow him, to being willing to be transformed from the inside out because of his love for us. Now, you might be wondering... What does this all have to do with sexuality? That's a great question. Well, part of following Jesus is to have sexual integrity. Okay, hold on. That's a big word. I have a small brain. Can you please explain that? I will explain it. Sexual integrity is having a whole view about sex. It's not just saying no to sex before marriage. It's about understanding the beauty and the complexity of why God created us to be sexual beings whether we're married or we're single. Because as the creator, he created us that way. It means saying yes to his big grand story. We've been talking about how God has this big grand story of his love for us, and we're actually saying yes to that. Sexual integrity is more than just physical. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's social. It requires more than just self-willed behavior. It requires turning to the Lord with your whole heart and letting the Holy Spirit lead you in your life. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Being a Christian isn't just about saying no to things. It's also about having this deep, intimate relationship with fellow believers and expressing yourself in a way that is how God designed you to. 
outside of a relationship with Jesus, we're all controlled. We often think that freedom is doing whatever we want, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. Do you know what we call people who do whatever they want when they want? Some of them we call alcoholics. Some of them we call drug addicts. The reason I know this is because I was one. I've told you my story of how I turned to drugs to numb my pain when my friend died, to get rid of my sadness, my anger, my grief, my loneliness, and my loss. But those drugs didn't lead me to freedom. I thought I could do them whenever I want, and I needed to do them. They controlled me. I had to do them before work and school and hanging out with friends, and it led me to physical jail, emotional jail. Many things in our lives can control us. Alcohol, money, social media, unhealthy relationships. Ultimately, our sexual desires can control us. We all have a master. The question is, who do you want your master to be? Yourself? Your desires? Other people? God? Most destruction or wickedness happens in this world when people try to be their own masters of themselves. Adam and Eve did just that. They were masters of themselves instead of believing God and saying, don't eat from here. Even though God's perfect and sinless and good and kind and loving, they didn't submit to him. Submitting to God is the safest place in the universe, but it takes faith and trust. And it creates joy and strength in hard times. So some of you are probably sitting here and you're like, okay, Amanda, I will submit my sexuality and my desires to the Lord. I, I trust him. And to this group of people, I say, do it. Pursue God with all your life, and he will lead you in that place. And I want you to hear what I have to say to this other group. Some of you are sitting here and saying, it's too late, Amanda. Been there, done that. I've looked at this. I've said this to this person. I've done this. And what I'm going to say to this group is, it's never too late. Today could be the day where you drop it and say, I'm going to start on a new path. Doesn't mean that your path is going to be always nice and smooth. You might fall off the path and go, oh, okay. But a lot of people in this group have these feelings. And when we do things wrong, two feelings come up. Guilt and shame. And they're very different, and I want you to understand the difference between them. Guilt is a negative feeling we feel when we're like, dang, we did something wrong. Shame is a negative feeling that says, I did this thing, and now I am wrong. I'm a bad person. Guilt tells us we can make it right. I did this wrong thing. I need to make it right. I'm going to go. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to talk to this person. And then it's done. The guilt's gone. Shame tells us we have to stay here. There's no way out. You're stuck. There's no way to make it right. Shame makes a person feel dirty, not worthy, a mistake. Shame literally keeps our minds in the same place and says, I don't deserve grace or forgiveness. I'm stuck. And Satan will use that and keep you there because that's where he wants you. Guilt and shame both lead us to hide. But it's where we hide that matters. 
Guilt allows us to hide in the presence of Jesus and say, I did it, I'm done, I'm moving on. I'm going to take my steps on my path. Help me. Shame leads us to hide. They tells us to hide in our rooms. It says, don't talk to the good people in our life. I don't want to be around my family. I did these things. I don't, I, I'm stuck. God pursued Adam and Eve, Eve as they hid with their guilt and the shame. And he literally called to them and said, Adam and Eve, where are you? I mean, he knew where they were, let's be honest. But God is calling you today. So something to remember is that if we could get rid of the shame on our own strength and will and might, we wouldn't have needed Jesus to do it. By faith in Jesus, the guilt's removed. He took the shame, he took the guilt, he took the penalty, and it's done. So what should we do today if we feel that shame? I tell you, first of all, remember the cross and literally say these words to yourself. It's already been dealt with. It's been paid for. I don't have to carry this. I can literally leave it here and I, I can be a new person. If you're sexually active, or if you look at the pictures and you say the things to the girls or the boys, it's about practicing confession and understanding that God has given you grace all at the same time. So if you're carrying this or any other sin, it doesn't have to be a sexual sin. You no longer have to carry it. Forgiveness is the first step of healing from our past. We can forgive ourselves by saying, God, I did it. And we lay it and we leave it there. We don't pick it back up. Our goal as we journey the next few weeks is that you start a real honest conversation with the living God. Because if you learn to talk to him about your sexual desires, your feelings, your doubts, your emotions, your mistakes, your shame, your guilt, he will meet you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to do our take two. Heavenly Father, I know that this can be an uncomfortable place. But Lord, I pray that you would meet us here. That you would be with us and let us know that there's nothing that we have done or undone that would separate us from you. That we don't have to carry this baggage of things that we can start on a new path today. So Lord, I pray that you would meet us here. In Jesus' name. We're going to do a take two, which means you're gonna, there's a question. You cannot talk and you cannot be on your phones. You can sleep, you can think, you can do whatever. But you're going to take two minutes and then Matthew will dismiss you.
Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you. You can head to small groups, and that'll end your night together.